Happy Thanksgiving to you. It'll be a different one probably for most. Our, our plans are different than we thought they were going to be even a week ago for Thanksgiving. And, uh, and yet we rejoice in the fact that God has uh, given us a family uh, that loves the Lord and uh, we can grow together in him. And uh, so we are thankful for that. I want to talk a little bit about being thankful. Uh, the message tonight is called The Characteristics of a Grateful Heart. So if you have your Bibles, uh, flip them open to First uh, Chronicles chapter 16. Uh, that's towards the front third of your Bible. Probably some pages that aren't maybe as worn out as some of the New Testament parts, but First uh, Chronicles 16. And we want to talk about David tonight and uh, his grateful heart and what that looked like. Now, the Bible says about David that he was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't a perfect man. Uh, you know the stories about him. You know the story of his sin with Bathsheba. The, the armies are off at war and he's at home and he looks out and he sees this woman and then he has relations with her and, and she gets pregnant and then he has to deal with this problem and so he calls Uriah back from the battle and um, arranges for him eventually to be put to death as a result of some of those things in David's life. If you study him, you find out that uh, his family was a disaster. And, um, and he lived with uh, some of the results of his sin, went all the way through to the end of his life. But despite his failures, God is gracious to him. God is merciful to him. God is loving to him. God is forgiving for him, just like he is for you and I. As I was thinking about this text and a grateful heart, I thought, you know, there's some folks who maybe they identify with David on the sinful side of his life and we're going to be like, you know, but I'm really on the shelf. What's, what's happened in my life, what's, what's gone on for me means the Lord's never really going to be able to use me. You need to know that if God can take a man like David and, and in scripture call him a man after his own heart, uh, then God can do that for you. Well, you say, well, that's just an Old Testament thing where he was called after a man after God's own heart. Yeah, in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14, um, Samuel says to Saul, he says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be the prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So Saul will be set aside. God is looking for a man after God's own heart. And even in the failures that will come, he's still called a man after God's own heart. But you say, all those things with Bathsheba, all those things, they, they all happened after um, this text. Yes, but in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. So here's the setting. Here's the setting of, of first Chronicles 16. Saul is now dead. David is now the king. The time of running and hiding in the wilderness, the time of being in the caves, the time of so much of the lament in David's life is now over. David has been anointed king. And as we come to 1 Chronicles 16, the ark, which has been out of Jerusalem, is brought back to Jerusalem. And it's in this amazing time for God's people um, that David now writes a song. He writes this song. 
And this is some of the things that he talks about we want to, we want to take a look at tonight. Um, this man who was not a perfect man, this man who lived with sin, this man who is called a man after God's own heart, when the ark comes back to Jerusalem, he writes a song. It's a song of gratitude. And I want us to take a look at that song uh, in this message as we consider what maybe our gratitude should look like, what our songs of thanksgiving should look like. So as we do that, let's, let's uh, start with prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, for the ministry of your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, as we take a look at some of the principles that David lays out as he rejoices after time of difficulty, after time of sorrow, after time, and now, Lord, this time of great rejoicing, he writes this song to you. Lord, what does our song look like? What does our voice of praise and thanksgiving look like? Uh, during these days of difficulty, during these days of difficulty in our society, even in our church, what does our, our song of gratitude look like to you? So um, open our hearts, open our minds, open our, hear, our ears, Lord, and do a work through the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, we pray through your word. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you're going to hear a 10-point message today, so hold on tight. And because we're going to move quickly, well, why 10? Isn't three the magic numbers for preachers? No, not necessarily. I just went through the text, and as I looked at what David was saying, as David is teaching us this song, he just lays out so many different things. And I would encourage you to pick up on two or three or four of them and, and make that part of, of your next days as you get your eyes and your mind uh, focused on um, this, this characteristic of of gratefulness of a grateful heart. And so I'm not going to read the whole text. It's uh, verses 8 to 36 we're going to look at. So we're just going to dive right in. Here's the first thing. Um, like the characteristics of a grateful heart. The first one, a grateful heart gives thanks. Seems pretty obvious, but a grateful heart gives thanks. It's right in the text. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the nation. Down in verse 34, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. What I love about Thanksgiving in my life, it forces me to look back. It forces me to remember. Um, you're not giving thanks for things that are still coming. You're giving thanks for what God has done and for what he's accomplished in your life. And um, we need to be thankful people. Um, some people say that's a cup half full person as opposed to a half empty person. It's not quite that simple, but are we people who think with gratitude? Um, think in your own life of gratitude and how God has worked and what he has done. And we heard a testimony of salvation. You can think of that story in your own life of, of salvation and what God has done. And you need to be a person who's filled with thanksgiving. Are you a person who who thinks about the things God has done and rehearses them before the Lord and are a person of thanksgiving. A person who has a grateful heart is thankful. Not always when it's easy. Sometimes when it's difficult, we need to choose to be people filled with thanksgiving. I, I think of when I, I broke my ankle playing hockey. Uh, some of you know that story. I won't go into the story, the details of it, but my professional career 
which never existed, was never going to exist, right? And uh, I went down, busted my ankle, lots of screws, lots of pins, all the rest. I'm laying in a hospital bed, and, and then I'm home, and for a number of weeks, I've got to stay off it, and choosing to be thankful in that. The things that God taught me during that time, I, I didn't see them all at the time, and every day wasn't, woohoo, I'm thankful for what's happened, but I can remember looking back and being thankful and seeing what God has done and how he used that th- those things in my life to refine me, and I see them even more clearly as my days go on, and then a few years ago, I had a heart attack, and I was laid up, and, and um, I watched what God did in this church during that time, and I was filled with thanksgiving for people who served and who stepped up and were so faithful. And during difficult times, we need to be thankful. I I remember uh, when Sue was in the accident she was in, and she was in the hospital uh, for a month. And and just being thankful. Um, Thankful that I still had a wife. Thankful I had two kids who loved the Lord. Thankful. So it's just not when things are easy, but when things are difficult, we choose to be thankful. Now, David is in this time of great rejoicing, and he's filled with thanksgiving. Uh, We've watched that in our lives, 41 years of ministry, where God's allowed us to serve. Um, You've heard me say these words. I have two kids who love the Lord, who married two kids who love the Lord, and we now have six grandchildren praying for each of them that they would come to know the Lord and thankful. Are you a thankful person? Does that that resonate in your life? Or do you find yourself moping and complaining more than you find yourself on your face before God filled with thanksgiving? The first thing was give thanks, give thanks. Here's the next thing. Grateful people call upon his name. It's in that same verse. Um, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Call upon his name name. This is where our hope is. This is where our salvation is. This is where all that we have, it all comes back to his name in the tough times in which we live, in the difficult days that we are in. Are we calling upon his name or are we trying to come up with our solutions for the things in our lives? I'm not sure about my job. I'm not sure about my education. I'm not sure. And you're worrying about all those things and you're trying to put all those things in order on your own and you're not calling upon the name of the Lord. People who are grateful call upon the name of the Lord. When we don't know what to do, we call on the name of the Lord. Here's the third thing. Uh, People who are grateful make known his deeds. Again, still in the first verse. Call upon his name, make known his deeds, among the peoples. We're going to come back to what the deeds are in a moment. The point that I want to make in this is that the deeds that we're talking about are his. And therefore, we are to be people of humility. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds. Grateful people make God big. Grateful people Uh, raise up the name of Jesus Christ. Grateful people humble themselves. He must increase. I must decrease, um, John wrote. When people hear you talk, when people hear your conversation, when you're in small group or when you're in fellowship, especially with other believers, do they see Christ magnified or do they see you magnified? 
Grateful people are people who are about raising up Jesus Christ, putting him on the throne. And the focus then is on our humility and his being raised up. In 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. God, help me more and more every day in my life to see Jesus being magnified, Jesus being put forward, him uh, exalted, and me humbly before him, a people who are grateful, make known his, the working of God, his deeds, I humble myself. Here's number four. People who are filled with gratitude, they sing to him. People who are filled with gratitude sing. You say, well, I can't sing if my life depended on it. It's okay. Sing anyways. Just sing to the Lord. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. I, I love to sing. Um, underneath that mask, you can't stop me. I'm sorry. There's going to be singing. I believe that's part of what the church is called to do. It's part of our worship. We are to be a singing faith. Um, we need to do everything we can to live within the guidelines that are laid out for us in, in our society today. We don't want to dishonor any of that. But part of what we're called to do is sing and sing a new song and sing to the Lord. It's, it's all over scripture and, and I love to sing. Um, I had an admin who worked for me once upon a time before I was even at harvest the, at the first time. And, and she, would, um, she would try and get me singing a song. And they wouldn't necessarily be spiritual songs. It could be Yankee Doodle Dandy or Old MacDonald had a farm, but she would just try and whistle something going by my office or say something. She just every day would, how do I get Paul singing the song I want him to sing today? And uh, I love to sing. I love to sing worship songs. Uh, we play a lot of worship songs in our home Um, And I think that's an important thing. It's a way that we express our gratitude to the Lord. It's a way we express our love to him. And he says in the text, we need to be people who sing. Um, And whether you can sing or not, whether people cringe when they hear you sing, before the Lord, we need to be people with a song in our hearts song the Lord has put there. And so as David comes with his gratitude, obviously he had talent. He played the instruments. He could sing. He had all that giftedness he could, but he was called and he he would be a singer. And so for us, if we are going to be people who are grateful, one of the ways that we do this right out of the text is sing to him. Sing praises to him. That's number four. Here's number five. If I'm going to be a grateful person, It says, tell of all his wondrous works and tell of his salvation. Look at verse nine, um, at the end of that. Tell of all his wondrous works and then look down to verse 23. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Um, So tell of his wondrous works and tell of his salvation. A few minutes ago, we talked about the attitude in which we do that. It's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude of he must increase, I must decrease, right? But, but here is what we're told to do. We're told to be people who are telling of the wondrous works 
of God. And now we're talking about the activity of communicating who God is and what he has done for us. How, how are you expressing in your life the wondrous works of God for you? If you take stock of them, you can make a whole list of them. But does anybody know in humility, do you express the wondrous works of God in your life? I've already talked about some in, in the message about our lives, the, the fact of our, our family, the fact of our grandkids, the fact of how God taught me through an accident, the fact of how God taught Sue through an accident. Like, are you telling the wondrous works of God in your life? See, David says, if I'm to be a grateful person, I need to be talking about that. I also need to be talking about the salvation that we have. That again is in verse 23. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Now, when David talks about salvation, he, he was saved by God's grace, by faith. Jesus hasn't come yet. He doesn't have all of the pieces that we understand. But David knew exactly how he was saved. He watched how God in the physical had, had shown him salvation in, in when he was in the wilderness, how God cared for him, how God delivered him. He saw all that. But David was a man who had faith to believe God was going to take him to eternity and he would be with God forever. And so we have that picture of salvation as well. Um, how are you doing? How am I doing? and not only of telling of his wondrous works, but telling of his salvation, telling about how he saved you. We heard in the testimony before the, in the baptism about coming from the place of understanding I'm a sinner and I need a savior and transferring my trust and putting my faith alone in Christ alone and grateful people constantly go back to our salvation and what God has done and how he has saved us. And we need to tell that story. We need to tell that story over and over. People need to hear it. People need to know about it. It needs to be part of what we do in a, a world that's filled with fear these days. We have a God who works wondrously He's been faithful to us in the past. He's, he's shown his wondrous works, but he's been faithful to us in our salvation. And if you're here or listening and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the free gift of eternal life is offered because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. David didn't have the rest of the story. He didn't understand. He would be looking forward to a Messiah that would actually end up coming through his line. But he didn't understand all of the things that we understand of what God has done and what he has offered and what is available for us in Jesus Christ. And have you trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation? Or are you trying to get to God through your own works and your own efforts and what you can do? You can never match up to the standard of what God requires, which is no sin. But because Jesus Christ took our sin on him, by faith we trust him. And we have eternal life. That picture of baptism is so great. We're buried with, with him, that picture in death and raised to newness of life because of the death, and burial, and resurrection. We can know Christ. We can have salvation. It's a free gift if we would just believe. Tell of all his wondrous works. Tell of his salvation. Here's number six. Declare his glory and glory in his holy name. People who are grateful declare the glory of God and glory in his name. Um, verse 10, glory in his holy name. And verse 24, 
It says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. When I think about declare his glory, I think a great simple way to do that is just to come back to, so what's God like? And do I declare that? Think about the attributes of God. What are the characteristics? What are the ways that we describe God? We describe him in ways of his glory that he's omnipresent, he is everywhere. He's omnipotent, he is all-powerful. He's omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is love. Um, For God so loved the world, you and I, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Not one single person earned that. Not one of us deserved any of it. The fact that anyone is saved anywhere in the world is all because of God's goodness, all because of God's grace, all because of God's faithfulness. It's what God does because he loves us. Declare his glory Declare his glory and glory in his name. I I think of the word holiness and God as an attribute in who he is and being a holy God. That's who he is. That's his character. We need to declare that. We need to declare that in our lives. We need to come under that in our walk. When we understand who God is and think about him in his glory, think about him in his character, those are the things that keep us from sin. Declare. Declare the glory. Declare his glory. And then glory in his name. Glory in his name. Jesus. When you say the name Jesus, does it bring you to glory? Does it bring you to, or is it just the answer in hope kids? It's the right answer to most of the questions. Jesus. Um, is it just a word that we throw around or, or is it a word that we stop and we reflect on? We, we talk about living out of the gospel every day on our faces before and just saying the name Jesus and realizing what's accomplished for us and what's been done for us and all the working that God has done in our lives and for us in Jesus Christ. Declare his glory. People who are filled with gratitude are people who declare his glory and who glory in his name. Here's number seven. Number seven, a people who are filled with gratitude seek the Lord, his strength. They seek his presence. They seek it. It's not a passive thing. This is something that we do in our lives. This is something we do with our lives. We, we seek the Lord. You seek the Lord. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. You don't have the strength. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the power. You need the Lord. And people who are filled with gratitude then see God and and they seek the Lord. Uh, Verse 11. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. We need this. We seek it. Situations at work. Do you seek the Lord? Or do you find yourself just trying harder? Situations with your family. Are you seeking the Lord? I think of families where maybe one of the, one of the kids is not walking with the Lord where they should and, and you've almost given up. No, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Uh, when, you, when you think about um, the situations that go on with you in your own heart, do you seek the Lord? 
Now, maybe there's something in your heart right now about an area of unforgiveness. Somebody's done something to you or whatever, and you're like, there's no way I could ever forgive them. There's no way what they did to me was too much. You believe that because you don't seek the Lord. You believe that because you're not going back to what Jesus Christ did for you. Seek the Lord. Seek after him. And so who's the person that you're dealing with right now that you have an unforgiving spirit towards? Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in situations in your own heart about pride where you think you've got it figured out and nobody else has it figured out. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord for areas of your life. Maybe it's lust or passions and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Why? Because we can't do it on our own. We need his help. We need to see those things in light of who he is and what he's done. And we need to be people of God who seek the Lord. I like this next one. People who are filled with gratitude, they remember his works and his promises. They remember his works and his promises. You say, well, isn't that kind of like the Thanksgiving thing? Yeah, it is, except he says it again. He says it in a different way. And he says, we need to be people who remember. We need to be people who remember. It means to to take stock, to stop and, and take a look back. This is actually the foundation of a thankful heart are people who remember. Remember his works Remember his promises. And so we need to be in God's word and we need to be remembering his works. Uh, Last week when we were in the text of, of Hebrews chapter 12, we went back and looked at some of the faithful people and saw their the way God worked in their lives. See, we need to remember the works of God. If you're not reading God's word, you're not remembering his works. You're not remembering God's faithfulness. You're you're only living on what you hope you can get through the day with. And you need to be going back over and over again and remembering the works of our God. And not only remembering his, his works, but remembering his promises, the promises that God has made. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That I will go with you. I won't, I won't allow to come into your life more than with my help. We can't, we can't get through together, right? God never promises that he won't bring stuff into our lives that's not too big for us. As a matter of fact, God pretty much guarantees stuff's coming into your life that's too big for you. But nothing is coming into your life that with his help, with his strength, with his power, we can't work through and and see victory in together. And so we need to be people who remember his works and his promises. I love when our grandkids come over because they still think I'm cool. Um, Not so much my own kids. They're way past dad's cool. But um, so I got grandkids for that now right? And uh, we're going to miss that this weekend because they're not going to be with us this weekend. We're going to do the right things we believe that we should do. And, um, but one of the things that we often do when they get together, they'll climb up on my lap and, and maybe we'll watch, especially with one of my grandsons, he wants to watch like tractor videos crashing and stuff like that. So, so we do that. But we also, we also spend time looking back at pictures, right? And remembering and just scrolling through, scrolling through and remembering 
and remembering and remembering and remembering. Um, we put up on our own Facebook pages uh, today, uh, the things pop up from nine years ago was the one that popped up on my picture. And we don't have, most of our grandkids aren't even born yet, but Sue's dad is in the picture. And uh, all of us were together and I looked a lot younger nine years ago than I do now. And, but we remembered, right? We remembered. And we remember God's goodness in those things. But we need, to be, we need to be people who do that. We need to remember who God is and what he's done through looking at his word. We need to remember his works. We need to remember his promises. We need to be people who are grateful people. And grateful people, they remember. Um, here's number eight. Number eight says this, verses 28 and 29. It says this, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Ascribe to the Lord. Literally, the word means give God the credit. Give God the credit. And so as I was going through the text, could we have lumped it together with something else? Yeah, we could have. But the reality is he says it in a different way. If we're going to be grateful people, it's time to ascribe to the Lord. Give God the credit. Do you look around in your life and give God the credit? I remember um, Sue and I were asked to teach us, uh, it was a Sunday school class back in the day, probably 30 years ago, uh, maybe not quite that long, 25 years ago. And, and it was a, a, for young adults who were having kids and our kids were getting to be 15, 16 years old. And the person, the person who asked us, like, like you, guys, you guys are successful. Would you teach the class on how to be successful parents? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like if our kids got up and told half of the stories, you wouldn't even want us to teach the class, right? Um, we're not perfect parents. We haven't done it all right. Um, you give God the credit. You give God the credit. When I, when I said those words, I have two kids who love the Lord, who married two kids who love the Lord, and now we're praying for our grandchildren. That's not a story of our success. That's a story of God's goodness. Ascribe to the Lord. Get our eyes off of us and get our, li- our eyes onto who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We need to be people of God, seeing who God is, see him as he is, and ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord. That's number nine. Here's number 10. So you didn't think I could get through them that quickly, did you? Well, I'm not done yet, but here's number 10. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Look at uh, the last part of, of verse 29. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Isaiah 6 and verse 3 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Worship the Lord in the reality that his wrath should be poured out on every one of us, and it isn't. Worship the Lord in who he is, in his character, and worship him. Lift him up. Put him first. Worship him, showing the worth of who he is. People who are grateful people are people who worship the Lord. Look at verse 30. Tremble before him. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Now, when we don't have to tremble 
like those who fear for their eternal souls because we understand that our eternity is taken care of in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But if you were asked to go before a king or a prince or a, or a world leader, and you would be nervous about it. You would be, there'd be trepidation about those things. And how much more for God? Tremble before him. Come to God. We don't come to God flippantly. We come to God in humility, on our faces before him, understanding we don't even deserve to be before him. I think about in, in the book of Revelation, uh, when you read it, um, you, watch the, you watch where it talks about the elders. It talks about the elders. They're always falling on their face before God. Just about every time you hear about them, they're like they're on their faces before God. Why? Because they tremble before him. People who are filled with, with gratitude for who God is and what he has done for us, we, we tremble. Not a fear that he's coming down on us to snuff us out or take us out, but, a, but a, a fear, a tremble because of who he is and how awesome he is and how not like us he is. Grateful people see who God is and they, they tremble before him. And look at verse 31. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns. A people who are, are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude in this area of worship, the Lord, we, we shout, the Lord reigns. We don't, we don't hide it. We, we want people to know that God is first in our life and he reigns. I find it so weird what we get excited about in North America, right? And we get excited about the weirdest things, but, and, and, and probably the most crazy one is um, sports, um, which is like, has really no real value, right? Um, I, I, Sue and I were just talking today about the hockey contracts we hear being signed, and, and she's like, how can they pay those guys that much money to do that, right? If you heard them, they'd say, well, I only have a short period of time that I can have my earning power, and then my career will be over. Yeah, well, the rest of us are Walmart readers, or whatever we do the rest of our lives. Like, you don't stop at that point, right? So, okay, a little tirade I just went off on. Um, but we, we, we worship these people. We get them in a wrong priority and, and we get before them, we get to a, 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 a soccer match or we get to a hockey game or a baseball game and, and we just go nuts. Some of you have been watching to see who the Leafs are drafting because maybe in your lifetime, you'll see them win the Stanley Cup. I've lived long enough to have seen that already. I can go to heaven right now. So some of you may never get to see that. But, what, but if they ever got close, you would be crazy people. But when it comes to worshiping our God and declaring who he is, we like we sit on our hands and we're so quiet and we're, we're so passive about who God is and worship the Lord. Shout, the Lord reigns. See, people who are filled with gratitude are seeing who God is. And that's the story we want to tell. Well, that's 10. And now there's the bonus. The last two verses. Look what they say. Say also. So it's like he got to 10, and then there's a PS. Another little piece. Say also, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather and deliver us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. Now, 
I came upon this text uh, a couple of months ago when I was doing my read through the Old Testament. And, and, you know, you've all heard it. And all the people said? Okay, so we'll try that again. Now you're ready. And all the people said? Yeah, I didn't know that was in the Bible. It's like, it's, it's right there. I just thought it was some, some guy came up with it and thought it was a cool idea. And it's like, no, people who are filled with gratitude, people who are thankful, they can't help but give God the amen. The amen. This is the by the way, or um, we come to the pinnacle of praise. They're caught up in the vision of who God is and, and gratefulness toward him. And, and they said, amen. And praise the Lord. David, a man after God's own heart. David, a man who had his failures, who had his struggles, who had his, he comes to this part of his life where God is working and he is rejoicing and he lays out this song and he comes to the end of it and he says, and all the people said, amen, and praise the Lord. Is that your story? Is that your heart? Is that your passion as a follower of Jesus Christ? through the most difficult times maybe you're going through these weeks, these months, are you a person who's choosing to be grateful, choosing to be thankful, choosing to allow your yes and amen be for our Savior and what he has done for us, for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray all these things. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, this chapter or part of a chapter. I, I thank you for the example of David. I, I thank you for what you have taught me through um, his example in this. We know that he was a, an ordinary man, and yet your scriptures call him a man after your heart. One of those things that made that characteristic true, that he was grateful. I thank you for this song and what you've taught me from it. And I pray, God, that you would do that work in our lives, that we would be people who lift our eyes up, people who focus on you, people who, who are learning more and more to be like Jesus Christ. Father, this is not a message about the power of positive thinking. This is a message about the power of a godly focus. Teach us, God, eyes fixed on you, focused for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.